The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Wind Donation is the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Call them at 866-90-NATION or head to windonation.com. Mention my name. They'll take good care of you. Uh, the new offer for the month of February is 50% off all windows, but it's a little bit different than last month. No money down, no payments, no interest for two years. So you won't pay dime one until the year 2026. All the while, you'll be getting the benefit of new windows. The benefits being big-time energy savings on your heating and air conditioning bills. And your home will look much better. If you've been thinking about new windows, give Window Nation a shot. The estimate is free. 866-90-NATION, windonation.com. Jay Gruden will be on the show, as always, uh, on Fridays. We will get Jay's thoughts on the Dan Quinn hiring. We will also look back at the two championship games and get Jay's initial thought on Super Bowl 58. Uh, Rate us and review us if you get a moment, especially on Apple and Spotify. It really helps us. Joe Trilogy via Apple Podcasts gave us five stars, titled the review, which was only one sentence, The Sheehan Effect. I love your radio show, but there's nothing that makes my heart smile more than hearing Kevin curse and be his true self. Uh, Yeah, you can't do that on radio. You can do that on podcasts. Uh, Thank you very much, Joe. I appreciate it. Subscribe to the podcast. That helps us also follow us on Apple and Spotify as well. So how are we feeling today, 24 hours after Dan Quinn became the new head coach here in Washington? Have we calmed down a little bit, some of you? I don't think so, based on social media reaction, based on some of the calls to the radio show today. I mean, some of you are not only out on Dan Quinn, but because Dan Quinn was hired, you are now out on Adam Peters. Man, what a run Adam Peters had. Uh, Two and a half full weeks for some of you before uh, you are now looking for two years down the road who the next GM will be, I guess. Um, I have some thoughts 24 hours after the fact. Uh, They're not much different from yesterday, uh, but upon reflection, I kind of put together six takeaways from not just the Dan Quinn news, but the news of the week, really. Remember, we started this week off thinking that we would be here on Friday with Ben Johnson already introduced as the new head coach. Um, I will tell you that I am not uh, any more uh, uh, upset than I was yesterday, which was zero upset. Uh, I was not emotionally distressed like some of you, and I'm not emotionally dismayed today. Um, But I did summarize just a few thoughts on the Dan Quinn hiring. I did want to mention that as of the recording of this podcast, there is no official news on coordinator hires, on staff additions for Quinn. But, man, there was some news yesterday and last evening in particular. Uh, The big report being from Jeremy Fowler at ESPN that Chip Kelly is a candidate 
for the commander's OC position. That was followed up by Jonathan Jones from CBS, who he said um, there was a source with one team who interviewed Dan Quinn who said that Quinn mentioned Chip Kelly as a potential offensive coordinator. Now, if Quinn sent some of you off the bridge into the river, Kelly apparently is doing the same thing. Hey, they're not hiring Chip Kelly to be the head coach. If they were to hire Chip Kelly, it would be to be the offensive coordinator or some sort of offensive you know, position. Uh, Chip Kelly, the head coach in the NFL, not great, not terrible. He was 10-6 and six year one in Philadelphia, 10-6 and six in year two in Philadelphia, had a top three offense basically based on every advanced measure, every traditional measure those first two years in Philadelphia. Third year wasn't great. The year in San Francisco as a head coach in 2016 was a disaster. I do agree with those of you who would say Chip Kelly is more of a college coach than an NFL coach, head coach. But make no mistake, if you were to ask anybody in football about Chip Kelly's offensive prowess, many would refer to it as genius. So Chip Kelly as a prospect for the OC position, that doesn't alarm me at all. Um, Anyway, uh, there's other news related to the OC search. Uh, This might be some disappointing news. Uh, Adam Schefter reporting this afternoon that the Saints are working on a deal with 49ers passing game specialist Clint Kubiak. Uh, Clint Kubiak and Brian Greasy with the 49ers were on, I think, some short lists, uh, speculative lists of potential OCs for Dan Quinn here in Washington, in part because of the Adam Peters connection to the 49ers and because of Dan Quinn's connection to Kyle Shanahan. Uh, But if Clint Kubiak heads to New Orleans, that would leave Brian Greasy on that staff as a possibility. I like Clint Kubiak. I actually thought um, last night, uh, thinking about this, that Kubiak would be a good choice um, and would probably be a target uh, for this group. Uh, Kubiak was an offensive coordinator in Minnesota for just one season, uh, following his father, who took over for Stefanski when he got the job in Cleveland. And then Gary Kubiak came back and was the offensive coordinator for one season during COVID, uh, the COVID 2020 season. And, and then he retired and his son took over, and Minnesota was very good offensively in Clint Kubiak's one season. But it looks like he might be getting the New Orleans job. We'll see. That would leave Brian Greasy, Chip Kelly, Brian Schottenheimer, Frank Reich, a lot of other names uh, that we have uh, mentioned as well. Um, So we will certainly keep track of that. But as of this recording, no news on that. Now, with respect to the defensive coordinator, there was news yesterday. um, And the news was that Joe Witt Jr. was likely going to become the defensive coordinator for Dan Quinn here in D.C. Joe Witt Jr. was his secondary coach and pass game coordinator in Dallas. Um, now, those are reports Kime had, uh, you know, that this was uh, a possibility. Others did as well, but it's nothing official at this point uh, as it relates to coordinator hires. Um, But that is big, obviously, right now, and that is paramount for Dan Quinn and Adam Peters and company to get a staff filled out. By the way, I would encourage all of you to listen to my conversation with Charlie Casserly on the radio show today. Uh, Charlie talked a lot about you know, interviews and the discussion of putting together a staff and how that comes uh, to be. He was excellent. It was good to catch up with Charlie. You can find that at theteam980.com or by downloading the Odyssey app and listening to it uh, on that. Um, Two pieces of sound for you coming up. Something Dan Quinn said late this season during one of his press conferences in Dallas about a candidate for head coach in Washington at the time. Uh, You will hear that uh, coming up. Also, Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network, he had some news related to the Ben Johnson saga. Um, I'm going going to play that for you uh, as well. So here's 
a list of some takeaways upon some reflection on the news yesterday. Number one is this. Um, We can talk specifically about the Dan Quinn hire. Do you like it? Don't you like it? What did you like about him as a coordinator in Seattle? What did you like about him as a head coach? What didn't you like uh, like about him as a head coach in Atlanta? You know, I have some people telling me that the uh, the loss in the Super Bowl to New England is a disqualifier. Uh, the loss to Green Bay a few weeks ago in the postseason is a disqualifier. It's not for me. Uh, the Dallas-Green Bay game a few weeks ago was a concern. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I came in here the next day, or it was the next day, right, because the game was on a Sunday, saying, wow, uh, Dan Quinn is a candidate here in Washington? Maybe not uh, after that performance. Um, But he's got a much larger resume than just two games. But takeaway number one is while we can talk about Dan Quinn and how it came about, this is not about yesterday. This is about what they've done so far since Josh Harris had a chance as the owner of this football team to start making football decisions. I know some of you think he could have made them last summer or during the season. It was never going to be that. They were going to sit back, they were going to observe, and it was going to start when the season ended with the firing firing of Ron Rivera and then the hiring of a general manager and then a head coach. And I will repeat what I said yesterday because, for me, it's a big part of the way I feel right now. Not just benefit of doubt guy, but that in three weeks, essentially, they have hired the number one GM candidate in this hiring cycle. This GM candidate was pitched by this group and then chose this group which would have never happened in the past. They got the number one GM candidate in Adam Peters. And then yesterday, they ended up getting one of their top choices as a head coach. That's not a bad three-week run. I don't know why everybody thinks they deserve to get the number one GM and the number one coaching candidate in this coaching hiring cycle. Uh... I don't know why you just assume they should be getting the best of the best or the the perceived top-level candidates. I think the last three weeks have gone well. I think they've been successful. There's more to go. The hiring of a staff, the key hire of an offensive coordinator, free agency, draft, games to be played for a couple of years. But I like this start. That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is, for emphasis... He was one of their top choices. Do not believe this narrative that's been perpetuated uh, by a lot of people, um, a lot of credible people, that he was an afterthought, that they had to settle for Dan Quinn, that he was choice number five or six. That's not true based on all of my sources, based on Adam Schefter's reporting, based on... A lot of other people who know and are in the know, they loved Dan Quinn from the jump. From the jump. Now, why did they wait? That, that's an, uh, an obvious question. It, Tommy and I talked about this yesterday. They waited because they are more of a deliberative group in their decision-making process. They wanted to cross all the T's and dot all the I's. And they wanted to wait for face-to-face interviews with some of the other candidates. Even if Ben Johnson didn't interview well, which you'll hear Mike Garofolo talk about in the initial interview, they wanted to sit down face-to-face with Ben Johnson, the top offensive coordinator candidate in this cycle. Uh, They wanted to sit down with McDonald with Aaron Glenn, with Anthony Weaver as well, face-to-face. They couldn't do that until this week. But do not accept that Dan Quinn was somehow the seventh guy on their list and they were desperate, and this was a desperation hire. This was not Ron Rivera and Dan Snyder and everybody in that organization when they weren't able to pull off the trade for Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo was going to have surgery and they were desperate and they went and got Carson Wentz 
and they overpaid desperately for Carson Wentz. That's not what happened yesterday. I have multiple people going back two weeks now who have told me from the beginning they were super impressed with Dan Quinn and he was right at the top or near the top of their list. It's just incorrect to talk about this hiring as an afterthought we had to settle for situation. It's not true. Uh, Thought number three upon further reflection on the hiring of Dan Quinn. I think he's a solid hire. Just specific to Dan Quinn, I think he's a solid hire. He is a known leader. That's what they wanted. I wanted them to get who they wanted, the kind of coach that they wanted. They wanted a leader. They told us that. Quinn is known for being a great leader more than anything else. Another thing that Charlie Casserly told me in my conversation with Charlie this morning on radio, he knows Dan Quinn. He likes the the hire because Dan Quinn is a tremendous leader. This is what they were looking for. If this is what they were looking for, I don't think they were going to get it with Ben Johnson upon further review. Dan Quinn is a leader. Players, coaches view him as a big voice and as a big leader in an organization. Now, what kind of coach is he? He's a decent coach. Worst case. Worst case, he's been an outstanding defensive coordinator. I want him to call plays. I don't want him to turn over play-calling responsibilities to his defensive coordinator. I want him to do what he does best, design the defensive game plan and call the defensive plays. We'll find out when he's introduced if that's what is going to happen here. It happened on and off in Atlanta. He, you know, took it on initially then delegated it, then took it back, then delegated delegated it, and then took it back again. And ultimately decided that that's what he likes doing and he's good at it. Um, I think Quinn's a solid hire. Would I have preferred an offensive guy? Yes, for the reasons we've discussed many times. But I think Quinn is a solid hire. I think this is not Jim Zorn. This is not... I mean, all due respect to Jay Gruden, um, when he was hired as a hot offensive coordinator hire, Dan Quinn's been a head coach, and he coached a team to a Super Bowl. He coached a team as a Super Bowl runner-up back to the postseason and got close to the NFC Championship game again. Yes, he needs an offensive coordinator and a good one. I agree with that. Um, Number four. I just once again need to emphasize how ridiculous it is comparing uh, Dan Quinn to Ron Rivera. It's just lazy. Ron Rivera is similar to Dan Quinn as a defensive guy, as a former head coach in the NFC South that took a team to a Super Bowl, as a well-respected, well-liked guy. Um with a comparable resume, although, again, Rivera's was better than Quinn's in terms of overall record. After that, there isn't much that's similar. And the reason being is that Ron Rivera came to work for Dan Snyder. He came to work not as a head coach, but as a combined head coach and general manager. And it turned him into, as he referred to, more of a CEO delegating head coach. That's not what Dan Quinn's coming to do here. Would Ron Rivera have been a better coach had he just been hired by a general manager here to be a coach without Dan Snyder in the organization? Yeah, probably. He would have been. And that's the big difference. Dan Quinn's coming to a functional organization with now a typical structure. Owner, general manager, head coach, and he's going to be asked to coach the football team. Uh, Next takeaway is this. Man, the biggest hire, maybe even bigger than Dan Quinn yesterday, although leadership is huge. But, man, they got to get the OC right. They have got to get offensive coordinator right. 
I do not have a problem in considering Chip Kelly. Sorry, uh, as a coordinator, no problem at all. As a head coach, a bit of a problem. In some ways, if Chip Kelly came back as an offensive coordinator, do you think anybody's really going to give him a head coaching opportunity again? He's kind of proven to be more of a head coach on the college level. Maybe a veteran offensive coordinator is a better fit because you won't lose him to a head coaching opportunity. Maybe Dan Quinn was a veteran defensive coordinator and got another swing at it. But he had more success than Chip Kelly had as a head coach. Um, The OC hire is going to be massive, uh, especially considering what they're going to do at number two overall. And then lastly, on this kind of upon further review list, uh, something that I didn't emphasize enough yesterday that I jotted down after the show yesterday, and it's this. I wish they had interviewed Mike Vrabel. Uh, I'm curious as to why Vrabel didn't get many interviews, uh, and there's certainly a story possible there that we don't know. But Vrabel, for me, uh, I wish they had pursued Jim Harbaugh. I wish they had given Belichick an interview. But Vrabel specifically, at 48 years old, I just have been a big fan from afar. I think he is one of those coaches that proves how good he is as a coach because consistently he's done a lot more with a lot less. Mike Tomlin's another one of those guys. He's been a phenomenal in-game strategist. He's been an innovator as an in-game strategist. I just wish they had interviewed Mike Vrabel. I understand Carthon's relationship with Adam Peters, Carthon the head of football uh, ops in Tennessee, and there was a falling out, I guess, between him and Vrabel and Vrabel and the owner. Um, But that wouldn't have stopped me from interviewing Vrabel at the very least. You know, this is not going to be something that I'm going to say I told you so about if Vrabel ends up getting a job next year with somebody else and goes on to have great success and Quinn doesn't. I'm just curious as to why Vrabel didn't get an interview, and I wish he had of. Um, I wanted you to hear Dan Quinn. So... This was just after the season ended a few weeks ago, after they beat Washington to clinch the NFC East, and they were getting ready for the playoff game against Green Bay. Dan Quinn was asked by somebody, you'll hear the question, um, about what he thought of Raheem Morris, who had coached for him as his defensive coordinator in Atlanta. Uh, You'll hear the question posed. I'm just going to mention it just in case the audio isn't crystal clear. But the guy asked uh, Dan Quinn, you know, essentially, what do you think of Raheem Morris as a head coaching candidate? Kyle Shanahan said that if he were the owner of a team, that Raheem Morris would be the absolute first hire. And the commanders, who they had just beaten, are interviewing Raheem Morris or at that point had requested an interview with Raheem Morris. Here's what Dan Quinn said. You'll hear the question specific to what this person asked, and then you'll hear Quinn's answer. Um, uh, your former OC, Kyle Shanahan, said that if he was an owner, Raheem Morris would be his first choice as a head coach. Can you speak to, uh, and the commanders want to, want to talk to him, can you speak to who he is as a coach and what you think he would with another opportunity? Yep, I've... Uh... I couldn't agree with him more, and uh, I've known uh, Raheem for more than half my adult life, and uh, so he is a remarkable person. Um, he's a fantastic coach and teacher, but he is one of the very best connectors. And if you were wanting somebody to connect the team and an organization, he'd be somebody that you'd want to call upon to do that. Uh, I'm certain he'll get his chance to do that, and, and I think he'll crush it. But he's got such a unique way about him. It's part of the reason he was working on defense in Atlanta. We made him the receiver coach, you know, and not many people can cross that to do that. And uh, But I knew he was rare enough to do it and then go back to defense eventually, knowing that would also be the case. So um, he is a very unique and uh, exceptional coach. So I uh, not only consider him a friend, but uh, somebody that, uh, you know, I'm super proud of too. So it sounds like if Dan Quinn had been the GM here instead of the head coach, he would have hired Raheem Morris instead of Dan Quinn. 
Uh, genuine words, though, from Dan Quinn about Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris, one of the clearly most well-liked people in the league over the last 15 years. And he is the new head coach in Atlanta. And guess what? Washington plays Atlanta next year at home. So you will have a Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris matchup at FedEx Field. You'll also obviously have two games against the Cowboys. Uh, They are not playing the 49ers next year. So no Kyle Shanahan, Dan Quinn uh, matchup. Uh, One other piece of sound I wanted to play for you. This was Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network talking on Seattle radio uh, about the Ben Johnson saga and why he's not a head coach somewhere. What happened with Johnson? He was such a hot name. What happened in that process, do you think? Uh, I don't think he interviewed particularly well. Um, and I, I listen, I've, I've heard some rumblings before. <laughs> All right, let's back up. So Johnson withdrew, and he withdrew as Washington was flying to go see him, which did not go over well at all uh, with the Washington uh, organization at all. Um, but I believe he withdrew from two coaching, circuit, coaching searches that he wouldn't have gotten the job anyway. So um, that's the old, you're not fired, and, you know, I'm, I quit. Or I'm not fired, I quit. One of those deals. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he really bowled people over in the interview process at all. Um, and I've heard that his personality is, you know, he's very smart, very bright, great play caller. Uh, but I've heard that his personality is kind of, um, I don't know, not the most gregarious guy, not not a Mike McDonald type guy or even a Dan Quinn type guy. Uh, so I think that came across in the interview process. I, I, my belief, my belief is that he came into this, Adam Peters had Ben Johnson uh, as his guy. And Adam Peters was not the only one making the decision there in Washington, which is not to say that he's undermined, uh, but – Rick Spielman was involved, Josh Harris, obviously the owner of the organization, Bob Myers involved as well. So it was four people who came to a collective decision, and it was not going to be Ben Johnson. Mike Garofolo, NFL Network, saying that Johnson didn't interview particularly well, uh, saying that while smart, bright, a great play caller, he's heard that the personality is kind of, well, not the most gregarious, not a Mike McDonald type of guy, not even a Dan Quinn type of guy, and that came across in the interview process. This is kind of what we talked about earlier this week when the news broke that Ben Johnson was staying. I had somebody tell me that he is a guy that basically goes in on Mondays, closes his door, and comes out on Wednesdays with a game plan that's killer. But he doesn't like all the other stuff. He doesn't view himself uh, as a Dan Campbell or Aaron Glenn type. And maybe there's just a level of self-awareness for Ben Johnson that he's not that guy, not yet anyway, Um, Not naturally, anyway, Um, and that may be the reason he didn't interview particularly well. Uh, Garofolo saying Johnson, you know, withdrew as Washington was coming to see him, did not go over well at all with the Washington organization. Um, Yeah, I can only imagine. I hope that from Ben Johnson's standpoint, he did the right thing when they got there and went up to them and said, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to, to let you know so late. I probably should have done it earlier. But at the same time, as I've said, this guy was pretty busy up until, you know, Sunday night at about 10 o'clock. Um, you know, one of the things that Garofolo said, uh, he said, my belief is that that he came into this, Adam Peters had Ben Johnson as his guy, and Adam Peters was not the only one making the decision there in Washington, which is not to say he was undermined, but Spielman, Harris, uh, Myers, uh, you know, they came to a collective decision. Okay, Um, this was discussed by Josh Harris and Adam Peters at their introductory press conference that this was going to be a collaborative effort to find a head coach. It wasn't just going to be on Peters. Uh, But I think Peters is significantly influential because the person they hire is going to have to be able to have that aligned vision and work with Peters well. They're not going to hire somebody that they like that Peters doesn't like. They're not going to hire somebody that, you know, they don't think will work well with a first-time general manager. They're all going to be in, I think, agreement when they – make the hire, which is what they were, I believe, with the hiring of Dan Quinn. 
All right. Um, Jay Gruden coming up. Uh, I did want to mention that the Terps have a big game tomorrow for you Terp fans. Michigan State, East Lansing on the road four years ago was that Anthony Cowan down the stretch, one three after another as Maryland overcame a seven-point deficit and won one of the most memorable games they've ever had in the Big Ten. Uh, They lost to Michigan State on Sunday, a week ago Sunday, uh, at home by two, a game they had a chance to win. They played exceptional defense. They're going to have to do the same thing tomorrow. And transition defense will be number one on the list. When you play a Tom Izzo team, you have got to get back on defense and make them run half-court offense. Maryland's half-court defense is exceptional. Big spot for the Terps tomorrow. Really big spot. If somehow they got one tomorrow on the road, it would be their third road win in the Big Ten more than anybody else in the Big Ten has. And they'd be 6-5, and five. they'd be in the top 4 or 5 in the conference, and they'd be set up for a potential run to the NCAA tournament uh, over the next three to four weeks. All right, Jay Gruden next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This segment of the show with Jay Gruden is presented by our good friends at MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code, KevinDC, and you'll get a cash bonus on your initial deposit. They've got everything you need for Super Bowl 58, every prop bet you can think of, and of course, the side, the total, the money line right now. They've got the 49ers at minus 2.5. The total is 47.5. MyBookie's got fair fair lines, fair numbers, fair pricing. Um, everything about my bookie is what you want in a sports book. You don't want to be paying outrageous vigs on losses. Uh, you don't want to be taken advantage of in terms of timing of payment or distribution. Why not use my bookie? You're going to get free cash on the sign up, even if you've got another site. This one is as good as any out there. Uh, Super Bowl, everything, college hoops, everything, NBA, everything. Plus, they've got a first-rate online casino as well. MyBookie.ag, promo code Kevin. DC. Uh, Jay's nice enough from a vacation that he's on uh, to jump on with us. I won't keep you as long as I typically do, but thanks so much uh, for making time for us. Uh, We will talk championship games, get your reaction to those two games last Sunday, and maybe a quick thought on the Super Bowl. But of course, the news here is that Washington's finally got a head coach. He is Dan Quinn. What do you think? Well, Dan's a good coach. You know, he took Atlanta to the Super Bowl. He's done Good things with the Dallas defense, obviously, and, and uh, well-respected around the league. So it's a good hire. Now it's the most important thing moving forward is who he gets as his offensive coordinator and special team coach. And 
and we'll really see what they do if that number two pick is going to be critical for the franchise moving forward. You went up against them, I think, at least once here when you were in Washington. What can you remember about preparing for a Dan Quinn coach team? Um, he utilizes his defensive players pretty well. He moves them around a lot. And disguises coverage is pretty. He's not really overly complicated, but he gets a lot out of his players. Uh, he maximizes um, the use of their defensive linemen with all the stunts and all the twists and all the things that they do, the movement packages that he has. He has a couple of good blitz that are difficult. He's not overly complicated in the back end. He lets the players play. But Dallas, he was very fortunate to have some pretty good players at Demarcus Lawrence. Obviously, uh, the corner out there, the two corners they had, Bland and um, uh, New England, I forgot his name. But Gilmore. He has some yeah. good players out there and utilize them very well. Uh, so... Let me just tell you what I'm sensing right now from your first few answers, uh, and maybe I'm way off, but I'm sensing that you're not exactly blown away with the hire. Well, I think that everybody thought it would be Ben Johnson. Obviously, that didn't work out. I just thought moving forward, I thought an offensive-minded coach would be a little bit better just because of the second pick in the draft would be a young quarterback and they could grow together. Now you're worried about if you get a – you know, offensive coordinator, and, and you have a good year, that offensive coordinator is going to leave and become a head coach. You have to get a new offensive coordinator the next year, the year after that. If, if the quarterback is um, really, really good, that's what's going to happen. But um, I think Dan Quinn's a good choice, really. I think, you know, if you can't get Ben Johnson, don't need to force the issue and hire a young offensive coordinator that's not proven himself quite yet. But get an established guy who's coached before as a head coach in the league and, and well-respected around the league, and I think he's a good choice. Was his reputation when you were coaching um, what everybody says it is, which is, you know, a, a really good leader, strong leader, uh, good guy, players coach, et cetera? Yeah, for sure. That's his reputation. He, he uh, I think players have fun playing for him. They play hard for him. And that's the most important thing is, is your coach has to bring out the best in the players, and the players got to want to play, and they want they got to play hard for you. And I think Dan will get the most out of his guys now. Now it's a matter of finding the right people. They have a lot of holes to fill on both sides of the ball, a lot, and uh, they got to do an exceptional job in the free agency and an exceptional job in the draft for them to have a chance to move forward. Yeah. Um, by the way, the one game I don't know how I forget how many times you guys played the Falcons. How many times you guys went head to head as head coaches? I do remember the play in overtime in the Georgia Dome when uh, Ryan Grant fell down and the guy picked off the pass and returned it for a touchdown. <laughs> that was painful because it was a really good football game, if I recall, other than the fact that I think that the dude Freeman had like 200 yards um, uh, against our defense. But do you remember that game? I do remember that game, yeah. I remember Ryan Grant falling down. I was uh, I was unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good game. And any anytime you have a play like that, you can remember that vividly. It sticks in your brain for a long time. <laughs> I I referred to it for, for a long time because I was such a Kirk guy and such a Kirk Cousins fan as the Ryan Grant fell down play because everybody blamed Kirk for the pick six. And I'm like, the dude fell down. He just fell down out of his yeah. break. Um but that was a that was a good football game. Uh, do you have any preference? Do you have any thoughts on what they should do offensive coordinator wise? Have you been following it? You know, I do not. I don't know uh, the young upcoming quarterback coaches uh, in the league right now, or if they're going to go to an old veteran guy, maybe. So I don't know who's out there, who Dan Quinn is friends with. There's a lot of good choices, young and veteran-type guys that you go to, so it's a matter of who he feels comfortable with working with. Let me throw one, a couple of names. The offensive coordinator is going to have a lot of say. Yeah, and, and the truth is is he didn't have success as a head coach without Kyle Shanahan or the next year without Steve Sarkeesian, um, but, but Kyle in particular was obviously the year that they went to the Super Bowl and had Matt Ryan as an MVP. Let me throw a few names out at you. Um, Chip Kelly's being discussed as a potential offensive coordinator here. What do you think of Chip Kelly? Well, Chip's a good coach. I don't know why he would leave UCLA. That's what It'd I thought. It would be a massive pay cut, wouldn't it? It <laughs> would make any sense. I think he loves California. I don't know. But yeah, he'd be a good choice. I mean, he does good things with quarterbacks and offenses, I guess. 
That's exactly, that was my first reaction when the report came out last night that Chip Kelly is a potential candidate for the OC job. He's got a good gig at UCLA. And I've always felt like as great as he is as an offensive guy, he just is more of a college coach than an NFL coach. Yeah, that's where he made his, that's where he's had all his success. You know, he wasn't very successful in the NFL level. Not even their offense weren't even that good. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I mean, he knows football, obviously. It doesn't matter who they take at number two, right? I mean, <laughs> get, a, get a nice veteran offensive coordinator yeah. and take a great quarterback at number two. He'll make the offensive coordinator look very, very good. And then the offensive coordinator, if he does look very good, will leave after a year and go be head coach. It's so true. Uh, they've got to get number two right. Uh, if they get number two right, it'll make everybody look good. Um, uh, what about, do you know the Kubiak, young uh, Kubiak, Clint Kubiak? Do you know anything about him out in San Francisco? No, I think he was in Minnesota for a while, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, he's got that uh, Denver Bronco, Mike Shanahan system with the outside zones and the playoffs, play actions off of it. So, yeah, he's, he's a good, he'd be a good fit, I guess. What about Daryl Bevel? What do you think of Daryl Bevel? Daryl Bevel's, uh, you know, he's had a lot of experience calling plays, that's for sure. He hasn't had a whole lot of success other than with Seattle and Russell Wilson there for some time. But, you know, Jackson's really struggled a little bit. And um, Like I said, all those guys that you named, they all can call plays. They can all get on a chalkboard, draw up good pass plays and run plays and run schemes and play passes and all that stuff. But you can't do it unless you have that trigger man, and that trigger man's going to make all the coordinators are good that you named. What specifically makes an offensive coordinator a good one? Finding your identity and sticking with it. And I think that's why Ben Johnson did such a good job, even though they kind of bit him in the ass a little bit there at the end when they tried to run the ball with, uh, with a minute to go and, no, and, and had to use the time out there. But uh, he did a great job all year of sticking to his identity and running behind that powerful line and working the play passes off of it, you know, not being overly creative being a smash-mouth guy, and that's what they preached all offseason. That's what Dan Campbell wanted, and Ben Johnson stuck to it. So you got to stick to your identity. Then you got to find players that match the identity you want to have. You know, you can't just say, hey, we're going to run the ball and not get a tight end that can block and not get, you know, a powerful offensive line and a back that can stick his face in there and run between the tackles. You know, you got to commit to the identity that you want to have and, and, and stick with it. You were involved in personnel, um, and you've talked a lot about over the years how important it is to be, you know, collaborative with the general manager. That those, the, you know, that both of those areas of the building have to be in sync. Do you have any idea whether or not Dan Quinn, you know, has a good eye for personnel? I have no idea. Okay, I've never. I don't know what his role was at Atlanta, and I don't know. I'm sure he didn't have that big of a role in. Uh, Dallas, you know, with the head coach and Jerry Jones out there, but obviously he's got an idea what he he needs to have defensively. You know, offensively, I don't know what kind of judge he has as far as looking at talent. You said uh, about Quinn as a defensive mind, and I'm paraphrasing here maybe, that, you know, things are pretty basic, and not that that was a criticism at all. I think we understand what he was in Seattle with a lot of cover one, um, et cetera. Uh, You knew what you were going to get. Has he changed in Dallas as a defensive coordinator at all? Has he become a little bit more versatile? He's gotten more of a split safety guy in Dallas, more so than a lot of single high, uh, because he had a pretty good front. He moves his front a lot. You know, when you play a split safety look, and it, it eliminates a lot of the big plays the opposing offense has, but now you're risking giving up some gashes in the running game. In order to combat that, you got to move your front a little bit, and that's what he does a good job of, unfortunately. They played small ball at Dallas, and I think he'll probably adjust. I hope he'll want to do that again. Um, they got gutted by Buffalo, and then obviously uh, the last Green game Bay. they lost. Um, so Green Bay. So he'll make adjustments there, which will help. He'll get bigger people, I'm sure. But he, he does a good job of not giving up big plays and moving his people around quite a bit, make it difficult to block. Um, his defenses in Dallas the last three years have, have created the most takeaways in the league. They were number one in 21, number one in 22, number 13 this year, but the aggregate of the three years, most takeaways by any defense in the NFL over the last three years. How much of that is coordinator? Um, it, it's some. Um, I mean, the players got to buy into the fact of you know what you want to do defensively, and then you got to have good players. You know, they had Gilmore, they had Bland, they had Micah Parsons, they had Marcus Lawrence. 
Um, they had Diggs before he got hurt. He was a turnover machine. They had good players that could capitalize on the plays that were there. Um, so it's, it's very important to have the players to get it, and the players have to buy into the scheme that you run them. But they had, you know, four or five really, really good players on defense that were, you know, I mean, gold star players. You know, they don't have that right now in, in Washington. They got to find those guys. They got to find dynamic pass rushers. They got to find corners of their ball hawks and safeties that can get after it. You know, so they got a lot of work to do. But you know, I think Dan has a good style of defense. He understands coverages, obviously. He understands blitz packages, and he understands how important it is for the guys to play hard and finish plays. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We'll finish up with Jay Gruden here in a moment. Ask him about last week's championship games and get a first take from Jay on the Super Bowl matchup. But if you're into premier high-line exotic vehicles, there's a new dealership in town. It's called MagdenMotors.com. They specialize in clean, low-mile, and unique spec vehicles. Big brands like Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, and McLaren. Every car goes through a 110-point inspection and is backed by an extensive warranty. Financing and leasing is available on all vehicles, and they've got an expert staff with an average of 20 years of experience. So go to magdenmotors.com. That's M-A-G-D-E-N motors.com to learn more. All right, Jay's uh, nice enough to give us some time today on vacation. Um, He has weighed in on Dan Quinn, uh, that hiring. Let's go back to Sunday's championship games. Why did Kansas City beat Baltimore? Patrick Mahomes is really good. Their defense, Magnolia has done an unbelievable job of that defense as well, and they frustrated Lamar, obviously. And Lamar, he got out of character the Ravens got out of character. They became a little bit too pass happy for my liking when they can, their, their strength of their football team was running the ball. They got away from that a little bit, became one dimensional, and it fit right into Kansas City's hands with Magnolia's pressure packages and mixture of coverages. And then obviously Patrick Mahomes makes, you know, seven or eight plays a game that no other, no other quarterback in the league can make. He's just an unbelievable player. And Travis Kelsey is, you know, continues to emerge at the right time. And, and they're just, you know, they have special players that keep positions and Spagnoli does a great job of that defense. I mean, you've heard it before as a play caller, as an offensive coordinator, head coach, play caller, when people say after the fact, I mean, how did you only run the football the number of times that Baltimore ran the football? Todd Munkin gave his running backs six carries. They were they were the number one rush offense all season long. Why do you think that happened? I don't know. That's something that... Uh... You know, they had a couple three and outs, which stops drives and, and stops your opportunity for plays, I guess. Kansas City did a good job of, you know, maintaining possession of the ball. I think there was a little bit of a panic set in. They needed to get some big plays. And, and I think at the time, Munkin thought he could get some plays down the field, and, and they just didn't happen. Then they got some sacks and were back behind the sticks a little bit and forced to throw it. And they, they just were out of sorts. They were out of character. They never really got in a good rhythm offensively. They never had any. Baltimore's strength all year was they had a lot of 10, 12, 14 play drives, and they just couldn't get that going against Kansas City's front for whatever reason. Um, you know, sometimes when that criticism comes a coach's way <clears throat> afterwards, uh, you know, the, the coach will say something like, well, we did try to run the ball, and we were five carries for minus seven yards. We, we couldn't get an inch. Um, so there are times, right, where it's like, you throw up your arms and you're like, that's just not going to work today. We've got to try something else. Or do you stick with it and say, it'll come, it's just going to take some time? Oh, you're right. When you have when you try to run the ball and you don't have any success four or five times in a row, then you're like, well, hell with this, man. we got to get the ball. we got to get the ball moving. we got to make, we got to create a spark some other way. And unfortunately, they couldn't figure out a way to get a spark. You had a couple good pass plays. Obviously, that play to Zay Flowers was a special play by Lamar and Zay. 
But uh, other than that, they couldn't really do anything offensively. And it's frustrating. It's harsh. And it's just, uh, you know, you, you would expect Lamar to make a couple plays with his legs, you know, that would change the course of the game and, and the momentum of the game. Like you did with Zay that one time, you would expect a couple more. But this didn't happen. Kansas City did a great job. How did the Lions blow a 17-point lead and lose the game in San Francisco? Well, a turnover didn't help. And then I think uh, I, I, I think they got to kick that field goal to go up 17 and force Brock Purdy to throw the ball and, and catch up. And that's been the issue for San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan's offenses in the past is their ability to play from behind. Uh, when they become one-dimensional, they struggle. And they, I think they had a chance to do that instead – they go for the fourth down and they don't get it. And then they had a big play to IU and the next drive, there's a fumble by Jameer Gibbs and all of a sudden it's a tie ball game. And then, you know, all hell breaks loose. The momentum is just totally shifted and they could never really get it back. So you disagreed with Campbell's decision on all of the fourth down go for it. You, you would have kicked the field goal to go up 27, 10. It sounds like at 24, 24, at 27, 24, do you kick the field goal? I personally would have, but Dan has done a great job all year of playing that way and that style of football and for him to change in the biggest game of the year would be a little bit odd. But I think the first one to go up 17 was the one that I think was for sure a field goal that should have been kicked. Three possessions, the difference in 17-point lead and a 14-point lead is huge. Three possessions instead of two. Um, so, I, you know, I just think that one was one they should have kicked for sure. Uh, and I still think the one to tie the game was was a kick they should have kicked too. Because now, I think a worst case scenario is if you kick if you don't kick it and you don't get the fourth down and they go down a score now you're down ten. It's almost impossible to come back as opposed to if you kick it and they score you're only down seven. You still have a chance to win the game, go for two, whatever you got to do. So, unfortunately, the worst case scenario happened in both situations. San Francisco took over and took the ball and went down a score. All right, we'll preview the Super Bowl and pick it next week. But real quickly, what are your early thoughts on the matchup, San Francisco and Kansas City? I think it's, uh, you know, two best teams, uh, really. You know, I thought Baltimore was the best team. I missed on that one. Um, but Kansas City's proven time and time again that in big games, their big-time players show up. Kelsey and Mahomes, and, and those guys are great. Their defense is playing excellent. I, I can't wait to watch it. And then, obviously, Brock Purdy. His, what he's done this year as far as uh, being the last pick in the draft is phenomenal and the players they have around him. It's going to be a great game. Um, but, you know, I'll make my pick next week when I see the injury report and see what's going on and, the, you know, get a feel for it. Yeah. It'll be a great game. Fun one to watch. San Francisco up to two and a half now in a lot of spots. Um, interesting. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. All right. No problem, Kevin. Jay Gruden, everybody. Uh, that's it for the day. What a week, huh? Uh, next week, I'm sure. We'll bring more action, uh, an offensive coordinator to get hired, a staff to be put together, and then we can focus on free agency followed by the 2024 NFL Draft, uh, which will be an important one for our team. All right, have a great weekend back on Monday.